Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Greg Detmeyer. Sitting next to me, I have guest host Kelly Simon. She is actually a ratings juggernaut. Kelly may not know this, but she joined us a few months back, and her podcast episode is still trending as our number one listened to episode. Jenny is out. Her girls have gymnastics nationals today, so good luck to Claire, Gracie, and Carly as they compete in gymnastics today. Kelly, this is a little different because, one, we have a guest here, and two, there are a bunch of other people looking at me oddly, which is making me a little nervous because we're not in the four walls of my office. Kelly, how are you today? Good, and I'm okay with not hiding behind your four walls. This is good. This is good exposure for you. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I volunteered for this. I'm just saying I'm a little nervous, so I might talk a little faster, but um, a the lot man, of people like the that. The myth, pod- the legend. Podcast, here he so. is, GD. Yeah. Well, let's do it up. So, Kelly, I said we have someone special here today. Absolutely. We have Pete Hall with us today. Um, He has been a teacher, an assistant principal, a principal. Really, guys, he's done it all, okay? He is now an author. He works with ASCD Books. He has authored The First Year Principal and my personal favorite, Lead On, Motivational Lessons for School Leaders. So Pete is here today with us. Follow him on Twitter, at Education Hall. Phenomenal stuff he's tweeting out all the time. Pete, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, you're welcome. Greg, thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, the opportunity. Opportunity to chat with you today. Yeah, we're really excited, Pete. Now, you told us on stage here at KPEC that this is your first time in Dubuque. True. That's correct. So, I want to see if you can do something that's very Dubuque. I kind of mentioned this earlier to me, to you. Can you give me a how are you, you guys doing? Yeah, how, how are you guys doing? <laughs> All right, that's very Dubuque. Yeah, I like that. Kind of mix the two, or, or but that's New York. That's a Dubuque saying. Use guys, like how how are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? Sounds terrible. So the second thing you need to do before you leave town is find yourself a turkey and dressing sandwich. Yeah, I have some in the zinc. Perfect. Boom, You're in, it. man. You're in. Yeah. You. Do you know what a turkey and dressing sandwich is? No, but it sounds delicious. Okay, so in Iowa, we cook a lot. We have extra turkey and dressing, or extra turkey at Thanksgiving, and we have extra dressing. So, you know, grandmas several years ago decided, let's just put them together, bread mixed with turkey, and then we're going to take that and put it on a bun, and we're going to feed you that the next day. It's a very delicious thing. Absolutely. Very delicious. I'll be back in November. Literally, there's every graduation count, every graduation party in at least four counties serves turkey and dressing sandwiches. It's a thing. All right. So moving on, Pete. Kelly and I both work in Western Dubuque Community School Districts. Something we're doing next year, we're launching what we call uh, collaborative teaching labs, and they fit very well into a lot of what you were speaking about earlier today. Essentially, we will have groups of five to six teachers led by an instructional coach, and three times a year, this group will get together, and one person will teach a lesson, and the other four will watch. And then before the lesson, they kind of debrief what's going to happen in the lesson, what can we expect to see. And then afterwards, they're going to kind of talk about the things they saw, the things they noticed. And it ties very well into the reflective stuff you were talking about today. Could you give us some pointers just on how we can, as a district, continue to be a reflective district where this isn't something that just happens these three times a year, but daily. You mentioned how great teachers are doing this a hundred times a day, reflecting on on their practice. So could you walk through kind of your reflection cycle and uh, kind of 
talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, you know, I'll, I'll address the model that you're talking about, this opportunity to have teachers engage in some dialogue and some reflection with each other, talking about a lesson and, and what's happening and whatnot. That's not unlike a model that we've used called instructional rounds, where, where teachers really truly get to, to talk and discuss. The important thing for us to remember when we're doing this is why we're doing it. So as opposed to setting it up and saying, hey, here's a great structure for learning, so now go do this, and do this as often as possible, it, we want to start with the why, the purpose. What is driving us to engage in this, this collaboration? We know that teachers work well, or learn well when they work well together. We know that reflection helps uh, refine our craft and improve our practice, and obviously that's going to have a benefit to student learning outputs. We want to make sure that we start there, and say, what's a model that'll help get us there? Well, engaging in this this practice, and forgive me, I forgot we... Collaborative Teaching Labs. Collaborative Teaching Labs, so the CTL. Mm -hmm. When we get the CTL going, <laughs> that's gonna help us reach our goals and meet our mission. When we start with the goals and the mission, we can use the CTL as a vehicle to get us there, as opposed to saying, hey, we're gonna do these CTLs. One of the things that we know, having been um, in education for as long as we've been in education, is that sometimes, teachers tend to rebel against ideas that are given to us, right? Maybe They're, where you've worked. Yeah, well, not, yeah. yeah. Probably not. <laughs> no, not in Western Dubuque. Dubuque. Not in no. Western Dubuque. No. But in other places. Sure. There are places where folks will say, well, you told me to do it, so I'm not going to do it. Well, what we want to do is we want to create an environment where folks have uh, collectively created and are committed to the goals and the outcomes so that then these strategies, we can give them all sorts of different ways to collaborate with each mm -hmm. other and to engage in reflective dialogue will help lead to that outcome mm -hmm. and it'll be more successful for us. So I think that's huge because the thing that, I, that we don't, part of our why is that we don't want this to be an event, you know, so, so we don't want the teachers to get in their head that, oh, we reflect on collaborative teaching lab days. That happens three times a year. That's when I'll save that for, right? We, you know, the whole why is to show and let them experience the reflective process so that hopefully their why is their why. They, that they believe in our why, but then once they experience it and they go through it firsthand, they have their own why. Yeah. So based on that, can you talk a little bit? I loved your corn movers analogy sure. loved that can you repeat that for our podcast audience that maybe didn't get the experience that we just received in your keynote absolutely yeah you know where I, I love to speak in metaphors and one of my favorite metaphors is about being mission driven about having goals and, and walking and moving with purpose and in the absence of that you're in a cornfield and if you could all imagine right now being in a cornfield and having corn in front of you what are you doing with your hands well you're probably just kind of swimming through the corn and moving corn. Yep. Every time the corn gets out of the way, new corn pops up, and we could spend our entire career just moving corn out of the way in front of us. Mm -hmm. uh, what we want to do is know if we're headed in the right direction. Are we moving the right corn? Are we, are we actually walking and operating with purpose, with a clear vision in mind, with um, goals that compel us mm -hmm. and draw us? And, and we need to have that in order for us to move forward. And Kelly, I'm going to mm -hmm. ask you to rewind the, the tape. Yeah, two totally. And a half minutes yeah. To what one of the things you told me, and you used the expression twice. What we don't want is mm -hmm. what we don't want to mm -hmm. happen is mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time operating out of that fear of what could happen if things go sure. wrong, as yep. opposed mm -hmm. to that vision of what amazing things can we accomplish? Mm -hmm. What if we made this work out? So instead of saying, for instance, what we don't want is for teachers to say such and mm -hmm. such. What we do want is what we want to have clarity around. We want to, what do we want to have 
happen and what is our vision for the future? Absolutely. What we do want is to have teachers find their why through this purpose. Absolutely. That's a high five. That was a huge high five, guys. Got it. So we, and I think if we do that stuff, these teaching labs would certainly become the way we do things. And then those three times a year when we get together, it's just more of backing that up. Hey, it's fun. Yeah, it's kind of like Valentine's Day. So my wife always is like, Greg, why do we not celebrate Valentine's Day with a big hurrah? And I was like, babe, we, we, every day of the year, is, I, you know, yeah, show my love for you. all across the world use that. Line. I know, exactly. Yeah, every day is Valentine's for me. It's so true. They just don't believe you. We want it to be like that. We want it to be like, this is the way we do business. And in order to do that, like we kind of said, we need to find that why. Pete, have there been ways that you have helped people or seen people help each other like find that collective why or why they're doing something something because this is something we're going yeah, to do yeah. as we're doing that how do we help them find their why as opposed sure. to just being like we're doing this right. and find your why right i'll give you my two favorites um for that one is an activity in which in schools in particular this works where we ask folks in the school if we were to do our job to the utmost you know if we were to meet our potential what do we want our our graduates, if you're mm-hmm. to, what do we want them to look like? What skills, dispositions, attitude? What do we want that to be like? If kids are leaving us as middle schoolers, what do we want them to be like as they go off to the high school? Same with elementary to middle. If you look at the start with the end in mind, and say what is what would it be like if we were successful if we mm-hmm. you know did the job the community asked us to do? What, what would it be like? We start there and kind of work our way backwards. And once we mm-hmm. have a some consensus around what that looks mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. That is the why. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the start of the why. And then what great leaders do, two things. One is we rally everybody towards a common goal, common vision. And then two is we find out what it takes to move each individual person closer to that point. So after we have our consensus-built collective why, mm-hmm. then we start talking to each individual person and say, okay, what is it that gets you out of bed every morning? Why right. do you come to work here every day? Why do you, I mean, this is a hard job. It's stressful. You know, we don't call it being in the trenches for no, for nothing, right? So what is it that gets you going and what motivates you? What inspires you? What are you passionate and curious about? Right. And once we know that, then we know how to position folks to be successful marching towards and working collaboratively towards mm-hmm. that vision. That's so true, both for the teachers that um, have never been asked that and for the teachers who have, but they've forgotten. Yeah, so that yeah. I think that's just enormously huge. Well, I saw a great quote on Twitter, so I've used it a lot since then, which is, we don't get burned out because of what we do. We get burned out because we forget why. Yeah, we perfect. Do what we do. Love that. Kind of brings in that emotion. Yeah. And powers it. So it's a lot like, I mean, I'm thinking of the ana- an analogy like militarily. Um, I feel a lot of times like districts will implement something. It's just like an air airstrike where you drop a few bombs here and there, hope stuff works where really what we need is more of a ground game, you're saying, where it's like we're going door-to-door, teacher-to-teacher, and saying, like, what wakes you up? What motivates you? How can we best serve you so that this process gets you to figure out what is your why? Sure. And I would say that um, using the military analogy, which I, I may or may not like at that moment <laughs> for schools, however. Well, I, mean, you just, I just had to figure a way to get, like, door-to-door. Yeah, well, we need the ground game. We need the airstrikes. We need the you know battalions and different. I mean, we need all of that. But you can't just do it without one. Works. Right. Yep. You need to have a strategy. You need to have um, 
a mission. You need to know what the mission is. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to capitalize on a quote you said earlier, because I think this is the perfect point for it. Um, When you're talking about all of these topics an hour ago, and you, you said, like, knowing your why gives you options for your what. It lets you walk in or toward your purpose. Um, That's obviously tweetable and should be, like, mic droppable. Right. And the attributes to that quote need to go to Michael Jr. because that was from his video about the why. Yeah. I'm not going to take credit for those lines. Great lines. Yeah. I would love to take credit for those. I'm giving you credit because you introduced me to them. (laughs) But credit goes to Michael. Yeah, got it. Yes. So, Pete, kind of continuing on the idea of reflection, could you talk a little bit about the uh, the continuum of reflection as far as like where people might be at as individuals? Sure. Yeah. So w- what we've done is we've created uh, my co-author Elisa Simmerall and I really dug into this idea of reflective practice. And our little tagline is: the more reflective you are, the more effective you are. So what we want to do is we want to help folks become more reflective. Right. We want to help them uh, process, think intentionally assess the impact of their actions, be able to adapt and adjust as things happen. So that's our little reflective cycle. And then we've built, we've noticed, obviously, that not everybody reflects the same way. Mm -hmm. So we've created this continuum that has uh, four pretty distinct stages along the the path from the unaware stage, which really are, are folks that are doing the job, they're completing the checklists. It could be new in the profession it could be new to a position or a different grade level different assignment it could be different kids that come in it could be a different curriculum whatever it is that puts us in that position of being unaware where we just don't know what we don't know yet and it's perfectly okay to not know something however if it's important to know it you better learn it so staying in the unaware stage is not really an option and then we've got the conscious stage where we've learned something we've dabbled with it we're trying it out we haven't yet gotten consistency and, and intentionality uh, down with that practice so that's our conscious stage. And then we go to the action stage where we kind of refer to that as being in it to win it, where we've allocated our mind now to truly changing the outcomes and we're going to do something about it. So mm-hmm. we're, we're thinking intentionally and then we're acting intentionally. Mm-hmm. And the final stage in our continuum is the refinement stage where now we're able to take those actions and gauge whether or not they're working and to what extent they're working and then modify, adapt, adjust oh as necessary. God. Right there in the trenches, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. teachers can do. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So to connect, not totally change gears, but connect, I know a lot of teachers will will just maybe generically, and rightfully so, say their why is their students, right? And that makes 100% sense. So you said something earlier today that um, connects actually to a few of Greg and Jenny's previous podcasts and connects to some other work we're doing in Western Dubuque, which is um, really that whole idea of positive psychology. And we're basing a lot of that work on Sean Aker's work. And... Um, you said there is nothing more powerful than the made-up mind. Another mic drop, like huge. There is nothing more powerful than the made-up mind. And that made me go into the whole idea of, in positive psychology, there is a principle um, called mindset matters, right? And the whole idea of the picture that we paint for kids is the picture they see, right? So can you just explain, like, why that quote? You really opened up with that quote within the first, you know, three to four minutes of your talk. Can you just go on that for me? That's another one where you guys are, are realizing now that I've never had original. <laughs> that one comes from a colleague of mine, Andre Wicks, who, who used that with me once, and I'm like, yeah, man, that, you're absolutely right. There is nothing more powerful than made up mind. Uh, we have to decide what we want, and we have to decide what we want for our kids, our schools, our classrooms, right? 
And yeah, we, we do paint that picture. Mm-hmm. We paint that picture for ourselves every day. We paint that picture every time we look at a child. We have a thought going through our mm-hmm. head about that child and about what that child is capable of, what strengths that child is bringing to the table, how much we appreciate, admire, respect, etc., or what we're worried about for that, whatever that is. That happens all the time as we engage in interactions. So that, you know, your principle of uh, mindset matters mm-hmm. is really, really important as we think about what we are bringing to the table. And I'll actually lead folks in a, in a later session through an investigation about our own mindset about teachers and educators mm-hmm. and ourselves and our kids because we have a tendency to go uh, really, really far one way or the other mm-hmm. and think about, oh, this is the best kid ever. Oh, mm-hmm. man, this kid's a disaster. Well, guess what? Even disasters have strengths that we can play upon, and even the best kid ever can be irritating as heck, right? Mm-hmm. Trust me, mm-hmm. I have kids. Yeah. So we need to go into those interactions cognizant of how we're thinking so that we can direct our thoughts in a way that is going to best push our kids and propel our kids forward. Absolutely. Huge tie. When, when you read that quote or when you said that, like it ju- I just jumped in my mind how often like in the past or even currently like I or I've seen like we put the ceiling for the kids and like stepping back and just like thinking about it, it's like how how terrible that is where like we're kind of saying like only I think of like tag a lot where it's like they, they get to do all these cool robotics, uh, cool stuff with video and audio. And then when it's like, well, could gen ed students do that? And then we kind of think, well, m- maybe no, no, they can't do that. That's an example of like putting that ceiling there and yeah. it's just like, not even giving them an opportunity for them to fail. Let let their effort be what determines if they can do it or not, not our preconceived notions. Absolutely. And plus we have a very limited definition of what success means. Right. And, you know, part of that comes from the whole standardized testing mm-hmm. uh, era that mm-hmm. we just got through. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Maybe we'll get through it. Breath holding. But, mm-hmm. but that's, that's one really narrow definition of success. And when we look at individual students... Their definitions of success are going to be different than mm-hmm. that. It may mm-hmm. be different from ours, and we need to be willing to be open to all the different definitions of success that kids can have. So true. So I think um, as we wrap up today, I want to say, so um, a secret joke between Greg and I is that I'm actually auditioning for Jenny Spot as a permanent podcast member. Um, so what Greg didn't know is that we interviewed today possibly the, the, the best voice through podcast, um, and that maybe he might be replaced by Pete himself. It, qu- quite the voice. It could happen. It could happen. <laughs> I mean, everything's tied to my name and, like, our hosting site, and everything's got my credit card, which I would probably have to, like, <laughs> drop that. That's a that's a classic <laughs> Kelly Simon. No, um, that's classic <laughs> Kelly Simon right there. So, Pete, I do want to thank you for taking the time to uh, – Sit down and chat with us a little bit. I do want to ask you one question, since I am a, an IC. You said the first thing, you, one of the first things you did as a principal was hire an instructional coach. Why? That's a great question. Um, I knew going into that first principalship that teacher quality was the number one determinant of student success. So what my teachers were doing is going to determine what my kids did. And I knew that if my teachers were going to grow, I needed to have a coach there. I needed to have somebody there to provide them job-embedded professional development in an ongoing fashion. Now, Lisa will tell you that when I asked her to to be an instructional coach in my school, she looked at me and said, okay, what's that? And I looked at her and I said, I don't know. (laughs) But I know that 
there's all sorts of different coaches on the sidelines of a football game. There's all sorts of different coaches on the basketball court and baseball teams. So a good good schools got to have these coaches, right? So I want you to be one of those sideline coaches for my teachers. Well, we we put that work together over the course of the next couple of years. I think that is, I mean, as far as my why is concerned, it is because I know that teachers matter most. Okay. Yeah, my principal and I, Dan Butler, we read through Building Teacher Capacity last year together, and the <laughs> just um, a few chapters in there, or like the breakdown of like, here's what the principal looks like, here's what the coach looks like, was phenomenal in helping us figure out like, we're on the same team, we're on the same mission, here's how I'm getting it done, here's how you're getting it done, it was, it was awesome. So I really recommend that read, it was great. It's a little plug in August, September, our new book, Creating a Culture of Reflective Practice, is coming out, which takes the continuum to the next level. You get the second edition of that continuum of self-reflection, plus updated uh, coaching strategies and feedback prompts, and, and also the conversation about how do we create the environment in which we can truly engage in that work and move our teachers forward. Fantastic. So really exciting. Awesome. Sure. Kelly, anything else? Uh, just we Folks, we did not pay Pete Hall to end the podcast in that manner. It was not simply a shameless plug on instructional <laughs> yeah. coaching. It is the truth. So... If you have time, please check out our website, www.iccpodcast.com. You could send us some listener mail there. If you have thoughts on things Pete has said, or, hey, you enjoy turkey and dressing sandwiches as well, please let us know. We'd love to hear that, especially if any of you are original Dubuquers. Feel free to check out our past episodes there, as well as all our social media buttons. As we leave, ask yourself, what one thing could I do tomorrow that will make me a better version of myself? Then wake up and do it, because greatness isn't achieved by one event, but instead a series of small, intentional steps. Go Go be be awesome. awesome.